You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12. When you found that, look back up at me for just a second because we've been preaching through the book of Acts. And as we've journeyed through Acts, we have seen the likes of Peter, Stephen, Philip, Barnabas, and Paul, and many others finding their place in ministry. In weeks to come, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see many more men and women who are going to find their place as members in the Lord Jesus' church, and uh, they are going to move the church forward through spirit-filled membership. Members of his living body, the local New Testament church. And uh, I want you to know that as we go through this, the whole point of preaching through the book of Acts is to remind us what God's intention is for the New Testament church. We have a blueprint for the church. We have people trying to rediscover the church and redefine the church today. <clears throat> and we don't need to rediscover it, redefine it. We just need to obey what God has already put in his book and just be the church that the Lord has called us to be. And I want, you to, tell, I want to tell you this morning that you're going to find that not just, not just people like Lydia and people like Barnabas and people like Stephen, but people like you have a logical ministry to fulfill in church. And it's logical that God would put his people in ministry. We are to be in the business of serving the Lord. That's a good time to say amen. We are to be in the business of serving the Lord. I think many of us enjoy being saved but we don't realize that we've been saved to serve. I mean, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But <laughs> we're saved by grace that works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I mean, listen, you were not saved to sit here in this church, soak it all in, and sour. Boy, I see so many soured Christians. You know, some of you, listen, some of you did not expect to hear from God today, and it shows all over your face. You didn't come here to hear from the Lord. You didn't even pray about it. You didn't come to the Lord and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Lord, bless the pastor today. Lord, help me to see uh, what you have for me in your word. I mean, you, I don't know why you came. I'm glad you're here. I hope I get you to change before you leave. But can I tell you, I mean, many Christians look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. I mean, they just get that grumpy look on their face. And, uh, and they scowl. And can I tell you, listen, you were not saved you were not saved to just say, well, I'm on my way to heaven. God saved you to work and to serve. And it's logical that there would be a place for you in his body to serve. 
Hey, can I tell you something? Everybody look right up here for just a minute. If you're saved today, let me tell you something. (laughs) You are somebody in his body. And God has no ungifted children. If you're a child of God, you have gifts today. Now, I understand many of you maybe were born without the ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. You couldn't blow on a horn. You couldn't shoot a ball. You think, man, I don't have any talents. But let me tell you, when you got saved, God didn't give you talents. He gave you gifts. And he did that so you would find a place to serve. Let's look at our Bible today, Romans chapter 12. Because we're going to see the church in action all through the book of Acts. But we're going to see today how you can get in action. I'm glad Barnabas served. I'm glad Paul served. I'm glad Peter served. I'm glad, I'm glad for Lydia and uh, all the other women that you read about in the book of Acts who served the Lord faithfully. But let me tell you something. You, you have been called to serve. I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now you say, well, pastor, what does that mean, reasonable service? Well, literally translated out. In modern day English, all of us would speak would be this. It's, you would know your logical ministry. It's just reasonable. It just makes sense that if God did all that he did for you, that you would do something for him. I mean, huh? Okay, it's logical then. Now look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about God's will for you. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so we as have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Now, this is a desperate hour that we live in. We saw people who claim Christianity and would even claim political conservatism vote in ways that would seem to indicate that they were more for the right to have an abortion in our country than any other thing. And that was a major part of this last election. And it just tells us we're living in a very desperate day. We're living in a day when there is a blurring of everything that is moral and decent. There is uh, an all-out assault on children in the womb. There is an all-out assault on children in the classroom. Uh, There is a brainwashing and a, a demoralization of the country. And it's intentional, and it's wicked. By the way, it's not political. It's sinful. It's evil. And the moral decay has come in such a great way in our nation that we are seeing society crumble before our eyes. Let me tell you, our founding fathers told us that the the only way that the Constitution of the United States would ever stand would be on a moral people. Well, you know, America wasn't good because we have a bunch of good things. America was good... And America has been great because America was righteous. There was a time when our pulpits were flaming with righteousness. And now they're not. And uh, even God's people are are very difficult to stir up 
in the things of God. I mean, we just have a ho-hum attitude towards the things of God today. Some of us can just look at God and yawn in His face. That is a blatant assault on God. That is lukewarmness where we can say to God, yeah, I know you're God and I know you're worthy. I know you're holy. We just sang about that, but you know, you really don't interest me anymore. And boy, what a, what a, what a, what a terrible state that we see in our nation, in our church. The days are desperate. The days are dark. But I want to tell you, there is a serious hunger for truth. And so many people are looking for somebody to tell the truth. And sin doesn't satisfy. And people have, people have lived it out, and sin doesn't satisfy, so sin has to, has to always go to the next thing. And we're seeing, we're seeing this, just this degrading of, of culture and society through sin. And the world is looking for answers, and the church, by and large, is stuttering. And we're sitting silent, hoping that Jesus just comes. And listen, everybody wants to say, well, let's talk about prophecy. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you, let me tell you prophecy. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, and he's going to come again. Period. Well, don't you think we ought to study it? Yeah, we ought to study it. But every time you study it in the Bible, it tells you to do one thing. Get your head out of the clouds of prophecy and get your shoe leather on the sidewalks of soul winning and service. That's it. And so, I think Christians need to refocus and say, okay, God, it's time for me to enlist. And it's time for me to serve. And days like this are important. We have, we have ministry. I think we have 16 different ministries represented here today. And let me tell you, there are a hundred more on my heart in days to come. And the fields are wide into harvest, but the laborers are few. And we need God's people to say, all right, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Well, how are we going to find out what God wants you to do? Well, number one, I'm going to give you some principles very quickly. Number one, there's the principle of lordship. Everybody say that with me out loud. Ready? The principle of? The principle of? Lordship. Lordship. Look at it right here. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about that Jesus is Lord. And we have a responsibility to offer a sacrifice to our Lord. He is the Lord. He is the master. And we ought to present ourselves to him as such. Now, listen very carefully. And you're going to see here under this principle of lordship that there is a request. Now, it's Paul making the request, but it's really Jesus on his knees through Paul making a request to you. This is Jesus praying to us. I'm beseeching you, by my mercies, give me your life. You know, some of us wonder, I wonder why the Lord's not answering my prayer. Well, maybe it's because you're not answering His. You know, we run into God and say, Lord, I want you to do this for me. And He said, well, good. I'm glad that we're talking about what to do, because I've got some things I want you to do. But you're not interested in what I want. You're just interested in what you want. And you just want me to be the magic genie in the bottle to do what you want. But I've made you for an eternal purpose. And I'm beseeching you and begging you, Paul said, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, this is the request, that you present yourself to the Lord. Have you ever given yourself as a present to the Lord? Uh, Have you ever given yourself wholly to the Lord? And say, okay, God, here I am. I'm all yours. 
I'm all yours. I'm giving myself to you completely. And Lord, I'm making a present of me to you. I'm presenting myself. Now, that's the request. Now, there's a reason for it. What's the reason? The reason is because of his mercies. (laughs) I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that you do this. I want you to give a sacrifice because I've given a sacrifice to you. You think about the mercies of God. That God loved you so much, he sent his son into the world to die for you. He shed his rich red royal blood at Calvary to die for you. He went into that tomb and came out alive. And he's promised to come back and get us again. And he's told us that in the meantime, he is preparing a place for us. Amen. I mean, do you, understand? do you understand what you have? I think some of you forgot what happened when you got saved. But when you got saved, let me tell you what happened really quick. You had all your sins forgiven. Did you forget about that? I mean, not some of them, all of them. All of them. Your sins. Now, don't say it out loud, but think of, think of the thing that you're most ashamed that you've committed in your life. You think of that. Let me tell you something. God, forget, when you came to Jesus Christ, he forgave you of that sin. And all sin. Past, present, future. And not just the sins you've committed, but the sins that you have potential to commit. He forgave you. Washed your sins away. Refused to impute unrighteousness to your account. And listen, he, he gave you forgiveness. Not only that, not only that, he didn't just forgive you, but he made family out of you. He brought you into the family and made you a son. But as many as received him to them gave he power, authority to become the sons of God. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. And you know, listen, God is everybody's God, but he's not everybody's father. You have to be born again to have, the, to have that relationship as a father. And you had to be born again, and you, you became part of the family of God. Listen, not only that, he gave you eternal life. That's not just a length of life, that's a quality of life. It's a new life altogether. It's a life of God, born from above with a new life of God in you. You now have a spiritual life in you, a totally transformation of the heart. You got all of that when you got saved. Now, some of you forgot about that. And uh, we've, we've forgotten who we are in Jesus Christ. And he said, by my mercies... This, I've done all of this for you, and by those mercies, I'm asking you to present yourself to me. And here's why many of us don't, because in the principle of lordship, there's a requirement. What is the requirement? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now, let me just tell you right now why many people in churches today don't want to serve God, because it requires death to self. Paul, how did you do what you did, Paul? I didn't do it. What do you mean you didn't do it, Paul? You traveled all over the world preaching the gospel. What do you mean you didn't do it, Paul? I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was crucified. I'm dead. Oh, but Paul, I see you standing right here in the flesh. Yeah, it's not me. It's Christ living in me. I die daily. I die daily. You know, many of us just want to get, we want to get saved and then we want to just skate to heaven and, in, and just live in our in, own enjoyment. And God said, I didn't save you just for enjoyment. You're going to enjoy it. You'll enjoy it more if you get into the employment. <laughs> I saved you for employment. Salvation isn't a toy. It's a tool. Man, God gave you a gift and made you a gift. And he said, I want you to serve. But you're not going to know how to serve me until you sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Let me tell you something about an Old Testament sacrifice. When that sacrifice was brought into that temple, it wasn't leaving. And it was a total sacrifice. When a man went to the cross in crucifixion, he wasn't coming back. And many Christians today are not willing to live a sacrificed life. Can I tell you something that they did in those sacrifices? When they take those lambs and that ram or that bullock and they would sacrifice that, 
The Bible said they would fillet it. They would open it up. They would wash its inwards and its legs with water. I don't know if you've ever worked with animals or you've ever seen a deer skinned or something like that. But those bloody sacrifices, they were slippery. And when they would put it on the altar, that it had to be presented clean. That's why they washed it within and without. The priest couldn't let that thing fall off the altar. So let me tell you what they did. If you go back and read the book of Leviticus, you're going to read about the flesh hooks. They took two flesh hooks. And then they bound that sacrifice to the horns of the altar. Now, can I tell you today why many Christians don't want to be involved in a ministry in church? They don't want to be bound down. I want to be able to go where I want to go, go when I want to go, do what I want to do. I don't want to be bound down. I mean, I'd love to teach a class, but man, I'd have to be there every Sunday. I'd feel imprisoned. No, you'd feel like a living sacrifice. Let me tell you what the two flesh hooks in the Christian life are for living sacrifices that keep you to the altar. Because our old flesh wants to get back off the altar. The two flesh hooks are devotion and discipline. And when we give ourselves to the Lord, then we devote and we discipline ourselves to give ourselves fully to the Lord. Bound to the altar. Many Christians don't want to be bound to the altar, do they? (laughs) You know what we want to do? We want to come to church and we want to say, okay, Lord, inform me. We come to church and say, okay, Lord, entertain me. Lord, I'm coming to church today. Encourage me. Very few Christians walk in and say, Lord, use me. Here's my life, Lord. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my life. Use me. Use me in a way. You know, we're devoted to so many things. You know, listen to me, people work so hard, and I'm, I, I pray it hard for it too, but people work hard for it. A red wave. Let me tell you what we need. We need a righteous wave. Amen. We need a wave of righteousness. If the righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we need a righteous revival. We need some people to come in and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Let me tell you what worship is. Look at me very carefully. Let me tell you what worship is. Worship is not feeling good about God. Worship is consecration to God. And when you consecrate your life to God, let me tell you what happens. You become consumed by Him. That's worship. Worship is when God consumes you. Are you consumed with God? The founder of the Salvation Army many years ago, what a great man, mighty man of God. He was asked a question. He said, what do you think the secret is for your success in ministry and how God has used you? And here's what he said with those piercing eyes. He said, God has had all that there was of me. Well, I've often thought about that. Does God have all there is of Dean Miller? Now, you don't need to ask if God's had all of me. You need to ask if God has all of you. Have you laid your life before God and said, God, I'm using, I'm giving myself, presenting you to sacrifice, sacrifice. Let me tell you what happens when God, when God sees the presentation of you, God consumes you. He consumes you. And let me tell you what happens when he does that. He transforms you. 
He said, when you make the presentation of you, God will make a transformation of you. And what is that word transformation? That's the word, probably one of the biggest words you ever learned early in life, and that's the word metamorphosis. Transformation is metamorphosis. You see a little caterpillar crawling across the ground? That's not a caterpillar. There's a monarch butterfly in that caterpillar. But in order for that caterpillar to go through metamorphosis, that caterpillar has to go up somewhere in a tree and make a little silk cocoon. He's got to make a coffin for himself, and he's got to go in that coffin and die. And in that coffin, he dies. He is metamorphosed. He is transformed. And let me tell you, he comes out a monarch butterfly because metamorphosis is the inner nature comes to the out. The inner nature is made known on the outside. Listen, that's what happened with Jesus. Same word, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was metamorphosed. If you saw Jesus in the days, he would have been so disappointed. I mean, don't believe all these artist renditions of Jesus where he had this great, holy, sanctimonious look and he had a big old huge light behind his head all the time. If that was the case, then Judas wouldn't have had to sell him out to go tell him who he was. There was no form or comeliness in him, nothing to be desired in him. He didn't look like some radiant king. He looked like a lowly carpenter's son. He looked like you and me. There was nothing out his physical appearance that was abnormal. But when he went up on that Mount of Transfiguration, the humble carpenter's son, the man of Galilee, the man of Nazareth, the man of flesh, his inner glory came out and they saw the glory of God and they worshiped him because they saw his glory. And when God transforms you, let me tell you what your inner nature is as a Christian. Jesus. But many of us have never let Jesus be seen in our life because we've never been willing to let our life be sacrificed. But see, when we make the presentation of ourselves to the Lord, he makes a transformation in us. And people can see Jesus in us. And then let me tell you what happens when he makes that transformation. He gives you a revelation. Look at it right there. He transforms you by the renewing of your mind that you can now prove to know, to work out the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know why many of us don't know the will of God for our life? Because we've never presented ourselves to him. What we, well, here's what we do. We say, okay, God, you tell me what you want and I'll decide if I want to do it. No, the principle of lordship is, here I am, Lord. Use me. What do you want me to do? Give me a blank sheet of paper and I'll sign it and you fill in the instructions later. I'm giving all of me to all of you. And then he gives us a revelation of what his will is. Is everybody with me this morning? Amen. Then you begin to know his will. Now watch this. Here's his will. Let me give you the second principle and we're done. Second principle is the principle of membership. Say that out loud with me. The principle of membership. membership. Look down here in verse number four. For we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about the will of God. Then he starts talking about a body and the members in the body. You Lone Ranger Christians, you'll never read of a Lone Ranger Christian in the New Testament. They always were we and us. They belonged into a body. They were a member of a church somewhere, a church like this one. Or then, and I'm not telling you you have to be a member of this church, but find your church and get in it and be a member of that thing and work and serve and say, God, use me. These are desperate days. It's not days to sit around in these pews and judge everything that happens in the church based on what my menu of lists are. It's a time to say, I'm here giving you, me, God, 
use me. Give me a new mind and show me where you want me. These are days to get to work. Boy, I wish God's people were as devoted to sharing the gospel as we were to politic for a candidate. $16.7 billion spent on this midterm election. And many of you don't even tithe. Church members don't even tithe. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we are not reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because church members have a whole hum attitude towards the things of God. And we think that the church is going to be saved, the world's going to be saved in Washington or in Denver or in Larimer County. Let me tell you, brother, the church is the only thing that God is working through with the truth of the gospel to change a nation. And I will not back up from that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be for my, I'm going to help promote righteous candidates. I'm going to do what I can to find people who love God, who will be salt and light in those places. But let me tell you, I'm going to go to my neighbor and I'm going to give the gospel to my neighbor. I'm going to talk to the waitress. I'm going to look for somebody who's lost. I'm going to see a young man like this week walk across this parking lot. And I'm going to stop him and ask him about his soul and see if he knows Jesus. And we're going to get the gospel out. This is the pillar and the ground of the truth. We have the truth. Aren't you tired of giving money to politicians who just later sell you out? Well, let me tell you someone who will never sell you out. The Lord Jesus Christ will never sell you out. He bought you with a price. Christians just have a ho-hum attitude about it. Now, I'm seeing this nation on its collision course with hell and church members yawning about the work of God. And I see it not just here, I'm talking about all over the place. Pastors are discouraged. Uh, men are discouraged about the state of the country. And man, how do we get people serving? Well, you can't get people serving until you get people sacrificing. Until there's a principle of lordship, there'll never be a principle of membership. You see, until he is Lord, we don't recognize him as head. Let me tell you something very carefully. Listen to me. The church is not an organization with Jesus as its president. The church is a living organism with Jesus as its head. Now think about that for a minute. Where are you in his body? And, and how much, how much, listen to me, listen to me. When the head cannot command the body, the body is dysfunctional and uncoordinated. Pastor, describe to me the state of the, New, of the New Testament church in America. Dysfunctional and uncoordinated. You know why? Because we're out of line with the head. <laughs> some, of you still, some of you still stumped on that tithing thing, aren't you? <laughs> I hit a stump there a minute ago, and man, it hadn't been the same since then. <laughs> you say, he wants my money? Uh, listen, if you're worried about that, brother, we got a long way to go. As Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, that's the least of things. And if you can't be faithful in the least of things, how can he give you the much? <laughs> I mean, money is the one resource that you have that you can give it away and re-earn it. Try that with time. Try that with ability. God's given you gifts, and some of you are squandering it. You've been in church for 30 years, and you've not ever used your gift to its fullest for God. Get that back. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. We only have so many things to give to God. 
And we're worried about money. That preacher just wants money. Son, listen, if I wanted money, I could could go find a church that'll pay money. Lots of it. They're They're out there and there are charlatans in those pulpits fleecing their flocks, flying in their jet planes. I mean, we could do that, right? (laughs) <laughs> I don't want your money. I want God to have you. And if God, had, if God didn't have your wallet, he didn't have your heart. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't you tell me your heart's in the work of God if you don't give a dime to it. Or if that's all you ever give to it. <laughs> we come into church, we throw God a tip on the way out. Thank you for the service. He shed his blood for you. He shed his rich red royal blood for you. He who was rich became poor for your sakes that through him you might be made rich. He has given you all the riches of God. Membership. God has a place for you in his body. And God has given you time and money and talents and gifts. And God wants you to use them. Let me show you this very quickly and we're going to pray. Look at these gifts that God's given you. These are gifts. Listen, money is to be given to God. Time is to be given to God. Talents are to be given to God. Some God, God has given some of you natural abilities and natural talents. You ought to use them for the Lord. What a shame to see these America got talents and to hear these people go on there and they've got voices of angels, morals of demons. And God gave them this ability to sing and they're going to sing about sex and drugs and immorality. When they could be singing about grace and God's goodness. And you got guys like me over here. They won't even let me sing in the group. <laughs> Listen, that trio was singing. I went over here and I sat right there. Let me tell you, I sang with them the entire time. And I left my microphone on. They muted me up there. <laughs> but I sang the whole time. <laughs> and I cracked and squealed and sang the wrong words, but I had it in my heart. And you hear people get up and they can sing so beautifully about vileness. Who gave them that talent? God's given some of you talent. You can blow a horn. You can string a violin. You could do something for God. And yet, we're not doing it. You say, I don't have much talent. You can cut some grass. You can do something. But then, at the same time, God's given you gifts. What kind of gifts? Listen very quickly. He's given you gifts of prophecy. He says it right here, and I don't have time to go through all of these, but verse number six, having then gifts differing according to the grace. You say, why did God give different gifts to different people? (laughs) Can you imagine if we were all a hand? Can you imagine if we were all an eye? You'd just be Mike Wazowski walking around. (laughs) Those of you over 60, it's a Disney cartoon, okay? (laughs) Who's Mike Wazowski? He's a big eye. You know why God gave us different gifts? God, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God gave us different gifts so that he could make us one and that you could serve the other. That we are members one of another and we serve at the the power of the head and he coordinates the body to serve. We tie the shoe for the foot. We put the deodorant on for the armpit. You say, who's the armpit in this church? I got a few of them. <laughs> you, know who the, you know who the ones with the armpits of the church are? The ones with all the opinions. Because opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them and they all stink, right? 
But God's given us prophecy, prophecy. Look at these gifts of prophecy. He said prophecy. What is prophecy? It's not, forth, it's not foretelling the future. It's foretelling the truth. Prophecy is the ability, the gift that God gives you to speak for God. And then he says not only prophecy, but ministry. Ministry there in verse number seven. Ministry. What is that ministry? Let us wait like a waiter or a waitress. That's a service in the church. That's a general church work. Those that have prophecy have the ability to speak for God, the word of God, and preach it and teach it in, in a, an ability that God gives. Ministry to do the general church of the work. Then teaching people who are able to go into a class and they can impart truth to little ones and to teenagers and to young people and disciple a new believer and, and work at vacation Bible school. And there are people that can uh, help with um, uh, other Bible studies. Then you have the gift of exhortation. You know what that is? That's the ability, listen to me, you know what exhortation is? It's the ability to excite people about God. There are people in this church that have a gift of exhortation. When I see them, <laughs> man, they just make me want to love God. They're happy to see me. They shake my hand. They're, they're, and you know, they just have that exhorting spirit. You want to you be a better Christian when you're around them. That's ex- ex- the gift of exhortation. There are some people who have the gift of brightening up the room when they leave it. But not the exhorter. The exhorter brightens the room when they get in there and they encourage people to live for God. Let me tell you what exhorters do. Boy, exhorters, they serve in music ministry. They know how to, they know how to get people to think about God. They serve in visitation. They serve in ministries of counseling. They serve in ministries of hospitality and taking meals to other people and encouraging them in their times of ill. Then you have the gift of giving. And, and God's given all of us the responsibility to do all of these things. But then you have the gift of giving. Those people who God has given them somehow an ability to be able to create wealth. And then he's given them the ability to see needs. And he's given them the heart to meet those needs. You know, there are, I thank God for people. Guys like R.G. Letourneau, a man who built an empire. And then he said, God, God, you've given me this empire and these great inventions. I'm gonna give you 90%. I'm gonna live on 10%. Now, he didn't ask the widow to do that. But there are men in the church that God has given the gift of giving that can give over and above. You know, I believe that some of you have enough. You could help fund projects in this church, help build buildings in this church, do things that would help us increase our ability to reach more people for Christ. And God, if you would just say, God, here am I. Some of you could teach a Sunday school class. Here am I. Some of you could exhort somebody. But, but we got to say, here am I. And then he said, talks about the ability to rule. Down there in verse number eight, he that ruleth, what is that? That's leadership. That's the ability to organize and administrate. You know, all you people who like to walk around, just tell everybody what to do. God's given you a spiritual gift. (laughs) And you're not using it correctly. But we could get you in there where you could learn to organize some things and tell people what to do the right way. And then the gift of mercy, a gift of mercy that's coming alongside somebody to help them. That's going to the hospital and visit the sick. That's taking food and caring for the weak and sitting with somebody who's hurting or lonely and having mercy on people. I had a deacon years ago in Mississippi and he did not have the gift of mercy. I told my deacons one time, I said, listen, man, we have an older church and we have people in the hospital all the time. I need some help with some hospital visits. <laughs> I asked him one day, I said, can you go see some people in the hospital? He'd walk in and he'd say, okay, what's wrong with you? And they'd say, well, I got this thing going on. I got that. Well, it sounds like a bellyache. Take a baby aspirin. Get over it. 
You just whine and complain all the time. People calling me, can you never send this guy back? He was terrible. The whole time he's telling somebody, what's wrong with you? I can't breathe. Well, you need to get over it. No, you need to get off my oxygen cord. That's what you need to do. He didn't have a good bedside manner at all. But some of you, some of you could sit with a widow lady. You could sit with someone who's just had surgery. You could go to somebody's house that's lonely and hurt. And you have the ability to have mercy on them. God's gifted you to do that. Now, these gifts are graces. And this is the most beautiful thing about salvation. Listen to me. Salvation is the gift of God. God gave his only begotten son. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You're not saved because you do enough works. You're saved because you've received the gift. Salvation is the gift of God. And when you receive Christ Jesus as your Savior, he brings you this salvation that's so wonderful. But let me tell you what he did. Not only did he get, not only was salvation a gift, but when you got salvation, he made you a gift. God gave you gifts to make you a gift to the church. Listen to me very carefully. God saved you by grace and then gifted you by grace to give you as a gift of grace to the church. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It's time, it's time for the church to reshape, refocus, and sacrifice and say, Here, my Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Some of you might say, Pastor, what do you think I should do? Listen, I'm not the Lord, and I'm not the Lord over your faith. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. What wilt thou have me to do? And pray. And let God begin to give you a burden. Let God take your presentation of you and make a transformation of you and give you a revelation of him and his will for your life. If you'll do that, you'll find a place to belong as a member and you'll be a gift to this church. What a joy it is to serve the Lord. To be a member of his body. Now some of you, listen to me, some of you are church members and that's it. You've never been saved. Others of you are looking at church membership, but listen to me, you don't need membership in this church. You need membership in Christ. You need to be saved first and he'll put you in the church. But you need to be saved. You need to be born again. You say, well, how do I do that? Jesus died for you. He loves you. He bore your sins at Calvary and he died for you. And he carried your sin away and he rose again from the dead and he stands today offering whosoever will may come. If you'll come to Jesus by faith today, listen to me, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. When was the time in your life when you can look back to and say, at that time right there, I recognized my need as a sinner and my punishment as a sinner, and I came to Jesus Christ looking for salvation. I came to Jesus Christ repenting and receiving and asking for salvation, and I can go back to that time in my life where Jesus saved me. If you don't have that, today's the day. In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to do that. We're gonna have men and ladies standing in the back, and if you've never been saved, I'm gonna have folks bow their heads and close their eyes in a minute. I'm gonna have you slip right to the back, and take one of them. Those are gonna take a Bible, take you over here, and they're gonna show you in just a few minutes how you can know, K-N-O-W, know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You can know that today. Many of us need to take some time today and say, okay, Lord, here am I, send me. 
Lord, use me. And we need to go to these tables and we need to begin to pray. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? And find a place to serve. Father, I pray today that you'll speak to every heart. God, bless in this church. Lord, I pray that we would see the need and the hour, that we would be willing servants, sacrificed, giving ourselves to you. This is the time. And thank you for those who've given themselves before. But Lord, now such a time as this, it's our time. And I pray that many would come giving themselves to you. And I do pray for those that do not know Christ as Savior today, that today would be a day of salvation. Who's here today would say, Pastor, with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking, if, if I died today, I don't know 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I don't know that for sure. But I'd like to know it. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand way up high right now. Just slip it right up. Put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. Who else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. But I'd like to know it. I'd like to know it. Just slip your hand way up high right now. Put it up. Put it right back down. I won't embarrass you. God bless you. I see your hand. Wonderful. Wonderful. Who else? Slip it right up. Put it right back down. Wonderful. God bless you there in the back. I see your hand. Wonderful. Now, those of you that just raised your hand, let me tell you something. And maybe you didn't, but you should have. But let me tell you what you need to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have all those who are able to stand with me. And when they do, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to invite them to give themselves to the Lord. But I'm going to invite you to slip to the back and let somebody take the Bible and show you. All you got to do is just walk to the back. You say, well, what do I say? (laughs) Just say, I'm coming to be saved. I want to know how to go to heaven. And they'll take it from there. That's all you got to say. They'll rejoice with you. They'll show you some scripture. And they'll seal a decision with prayer. And you can know today that you're saved. Not on my word, not on my authority, but on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, you've raised your hand. I've seen your hand, but God knows your heart. Let's respond faithfully to him today. If you're able to, would you please stand with me all over this room? Father, I pray for those who've raised their hand, who don't know Christ as Savior, that they would move right now. Let one of our men or ladies take the word of God and show them how they can know that they're saved. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, you raise your hand a moment ago. Don't delay. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Go right to the back. Let someone show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Now, while they're going, Christian, let me ask you a question. Have you given yourself to the Lord? Have you presented yourself a living sacrifice? You say, I don't know how to do that. Do it right now. Just say, Lord, here am I. I'm giving myself to you. Father, I thank you today for speaking so clearly through your word today. Lord, this is an hour and a time where God's people need to have an awakening to the reality of the Christian life. And Lord, the principle of lordship, the principle of membership, that we would bow before you and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, what would you have me to do? And then we would be faithful to do it. God, help us to present our bodies, to be, to be 
holy and acceptable to you. Lord, forgive us for apathy and lethargy and give us a heart for ministry. Use the church of Jesus Christ to advance the truth of God in this world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.